Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Hi there, folks. This, this is episode 199 of the WP Tonic podcast show. It's our roundtable show that we do every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, we also do a, a Facebook live feed on the WP Tonic Facebook page. So if you want to join us, go there. And we've got a great panel of WordPress experts and influencers and we're going to be talking about um, some latest WordPress news stories. And our main topic in this discussion is going to be membership um, plugins so you can build fantastic membership websites. But first, I'm going to introduce our panel. And I'm going to go first with Jackie. You'd like to introduce yourself, Jackie? Yes, I'm Jackie D'Elia. I'm a web developer in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am the host of Rethink.fm. That's great, Jackie. Um, our next great panelist is Kim. like to introduce yourself, Kim. Sure. I'm Kim Schivler. I'm a technology and communications trainer with WordPress. I tend to focus on online courses and membership websites. That's great. And our next great panelist is Adam. like to introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Adam from WPCrafter.com, where I make WordPress training videos for non-techies. Uh, they're all on YouTube. They're free. Go knock yourself out. I'm sure you will enjoy them. All right. And our next panelist is Mendel. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, 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 hello. I'm Mendel from uh, GoDaddy. <laughs> and, uh, sorry, guys. I always have to be goofy. Um, <laughs> Mendel from GoDaddy. And um, I uh, love WordPress, use WordPress, do WordPress with all the things. So. It's the big daddy. Uh, um, and to finish, uh, my great co-host, John Locke, would like to introduce yourself? Sure thing. Before I do that, I want to tell Mendel, like, Say Reed is going to sue you for gimmick infringement. <laughs> oh, no. I said all the things. Say, I'm sorry. If you're listening, I'm sorry. Don't make this a Twitter battle. Oh, yeah. Twitter battles. Anyway, definitely, yes. I'm John Locke, uh, Lockdown Design, and... Uh, yeah, taking care of WordPress and SEO over there. And then Jonathan. Yes, um, folks, I'm the founder of WP Tonic, so all this madness, you can blame on me. Um, we're a WordPress maintenance support company. We're your trusted partner, aren't we, John? Trusted as always. Yes. So, folks, um, we're going to go into our new section first, um, and we're going to be talking... Um, Right, about um, WordPress removes HHVM from testing infrastructure. That's a fantastic title, isn't it, folks? But um, I thought it was interesting because um, it, was, it was the darling of the hardcore development community. It was going to replace PHP to some extent. And then PHP 7 comes um, and... Um, doesn't seem to be so urgent now. I thought it was just interesting how quickly technology changes in this field. Um, let's open it to Adam first. What do you think of that story, Adam? Got anything to comment about it? 
Well, I, I actually made a video maybe three months ago and I said the, the title of the video was the one thing you can do to double the speed of your website. And essentially that was just to get people to watch and learn how to click two mouse clicks and upgrade their PHP on their web hosting account from 5.6 or whatever to 7. And it's just a huge, massive speed improvement with just three mouse clicks. And, um, you know, and if there's more to it on how to see if all your plugins and themes are PHP 7 compatible and all that kind of stuff. Yes, folks, do not do that on a live site, please. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, part of the discussion is if you're a WordPress theme or plugin developer, you're doing your customers a serious disservice if you haven't gone through and made sure everything's php7 compatible but i think we're really in exciting times it's actually good for the website owner it's good for the website developer it's good for the web hosting per provider i'm trying to point down to the GoDaddy box um uh, because you know things are going to get faster technology is getting better it's just amazing at how Things are moving so fast. And so um, anyways, I, I'm excited uh, about the speed improvements uh, and I, I prefer PHP anyway. Yeah. Um, let's go to Kim. What do you think of the article, Kim? Well, I hadn't worked with the other. I'm no longer a hardcore developer. I'm much more of a... Once a hardcore developer, always a hardcore developer. No, no, no. I, and actually, I never was. I could develop, but I'm more, I've got a broader sense, and I'm more of the communicator between technical and non-technical people. So I hadn't worked with it. I'm happy with PHP 7. I was the same uh, as Adam. And my thoughts were actually the, um, if we're going to be talking about back-end things, et cetera, I'm still looking for people to start talking more on JavaScript in the back-end. As yeah, opposed to HVV and just me personally. Yeah, I just um, I just thought on um, on a broader scope, I just thought it was a slightly interesting story about mm -hmm. you know a choice is made because it's um, a really hot technology, and then um, quite suddenly because um, uh, older technology responds to the challenge, it um, no longer is hot. And you've seen that quite regularly in the WordPress ecosystem. Really, I felt. What do you feel about that, Mendel? Listen, I, I think uh, we should all ruthlessly prioritize for what is uh, better performing, more performant, and, um, and easier. And uh, I, I think if the performance gains for uh, PHP 7 are better than HHVM, then do it. Just do, ruthlessly. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah do it. Um, what do you think, Jackie? Just curious, do you think that the SSL, uh, everybody moving to SSL and the HTTP2 is also helping improve performance and kind of taking some of the, the worry off of uh, the speed that was HHVM was supposed to deliver? Doesn't, doesn't secure, uh, doesn't uh, SSL actually, um, isn't there some concern about it decreasing performance uh, a very small bit? Oh, it used to be a lot slower. I've just I've got SSL on all of my sites now, and I'm finding they're they're doing very well because they do the asynchronous download of a lot of your assets, mm. so you don't have to spend as much time worrying about um, concatenating all your JavaScript and uh, because things will load um, all at the same time instead of one right after the other. So uh, 
I think there's a big shift now. Most people are all starting to move to SSL, even on sites where they don't have any e-commerce. Security's better. You've got contact forms you're using. People are submitting personal information, email addresses, things like that. And I think that that's just everybody is switching now. And with Let's Encrypt, that has made it super easy. I mean, you just click it and install it mm -hmm. and you're good to go. Well, well, you also well, have to switch, uh, not to jump in on the SSL conversation. You're forced to because if someone's using Google Chrome and they go to your website and there's anything where they have to submit any information, it's just not secure. That's not cool. <laughs> uh, um, the thing I was going to say, folks, um, is if you're starting a website, it, you know, I would advise you to, um, especially because you've got the free, fantastic free product which a lot of um quality hosting providers are offering now to you um it's better to go h https as quick as possible because there's nothing worse than having a large website and then trying to um change it to to that it's a bit of a nightmare um keeps us busy though uh, um <laughs> but, um what do you think john what do you think about this yeah, so HHVM was part of the uh, Facebook stack originally, and it was designed to uh, speed up. And originally, this and this is you know maybe two or three years ago, it was showing um, you know double the speed versus something like uh, PHP five point four. Now that we have PHP seven, uh, that is is kind of making. HHVM obsolete for WordPress. And, and one of the things that this article pointed out is there's only maybe like a few dozen sites that were using HHVM uh, with WordPress. So though there was never officially support for it, they basically constructed um, WordPress to be able to use it. But now that PHP 7 is here, plus we have HTTP 2, a lot of these speed concerns are kind of redundant. So this, this is kind of like what's now. Uh, SSL, HTTP2, PHP7. If you're not on that right now, uh, or if your host is, is still on, you know, uh, ancient unsupported version of PHP, and believe me, there's a, still a lot of them out there, uh, you should be upgrading and seeking out a host that, that supports those protocols because uh, it's going to give you tons of speed. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so can I, so I'm curious uh, for some clarification. So I, I was, um, I was under the impression that the HHVM was uh, more um, compiler and less, um, less PHP competitor. So like um, the difference between, uh, like the difference between Zend and um, HHVM, right? Like, like uh, right. one of them is, one of them is compiling just in time. The other is not, right? So, like, uh, for clarification, is that is that the corollary within the PHP world? Um, I like I said, <laughs> HHVM. Like, yeah, <laughs> HHVM yeah, is uh, a driver for MongoDB. So, yeah, that that's probably the closest corollary. It's just part of the stack. It wasn't necessarily like uh, a one-to-one -one with, with PHP, but, but you're right, it was, a, it was a driver. And like I said, it's, uh, this story is like they're removing it from the testing infrastructure. It's just because a lot of it too 
uh, the HHVM, there's just hardly any sites using WordPress that are actually using that. So, cool. Yeah, that's great. I think we go on to our second story now. Um, I'm going to butcher the. Um, in, it's from Indie Hackers. It was around on the um, on the Twitter feeds um, that I follow. Um, and it's how would you pronounce this, John? Help me. Is, is it female? Female. Female. Right. Um, so, um, great story I thought about. Um, the background of the company and how they managed to get great success. What did you, who are going to choose? Who are going to pick on? Um, let's go for Adam. He looks like he wants to be picked on. Did you manage to have a quick butchers of it? And what did you think of it, Adam? Actually, my question was just, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Enot? Enot? I'm not going to even attempt. Enot Mingle. Enot Mingle. Enot. That's how okay. I would. Enot. Okay, good. I just wanted to get the name right. Well, actually, I, I read the article. I like stuff like that. Um, I hope you guys got a chance to read the article as well. And I've done, I have a little different perspective because I've done business at a higher level where there's lots of money moving around. And that's kind of what I got from the, the article there too. I think I would call Enoch like the Gary V of WordPress. I don't know if you guys, any of you guys are familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk. He, his whole mantra is hustling and every other word's an expletive. But I'm talking more about the hustling side of uh, Gary V. I think that's Enoch uh, for sure, uh, the, the hustling. Um, however, I, I used to have a business a few years back um, where we had a lot of money and a lot of money was moving around uh, every month. So every month I had to spend about $70,000 just on data. And, and so when I was reading his article um, and I saw all the money that was coming in, I know like a lot of folks, we, we say, wow, he's making a hundred thousand dollars a month. Wasn't making a hundred thousand dollars a month at all. You know, when I had this business and I was spending seventy thousand dollars a month on data alone, I was actually losing money every month, even though we had a hundred over a hundred thousand dollars a month coming in. It's just the guy's a hustler and he's a beast. You gotta respect how he built something out of nothing. Um, and he hustled, but at the same time, I think um uh, a lot of what he built was short term. Uh, very short term. And I think yeah, that's what you saw happen uh, when his uh, theme was pulled out of the theme repository, which was a, a new story about seven or eight months back. Uh, but you got to respect the hustler. I think he's learned a lot of lessons. I think there's a lot of lessons to learn. Um, uh, the way he grew his business was a lot different than way, maybe look at uh, Pippin at Easy Digital Downloads, where he built it through building uh, a core of evangelists that just love his product and it wasn't all AdSense and paid ads. Um, so I had a lot of interesting, there's a lot of interesting information in there. You got to respect the guy for, you know, being willing to throw $50,000 a month at advertising. Yeah. Um, Cause we discussed, you know, it was a bit, it was a, um, a little bit of upset and we actually discussed um, when his theme was thrown out of the, the um, and we had a bit of a discussion about it. What did you think of the article, John? So <clears throat> I read this, and, and there's a couple lessons that, that I got from this. They were trying different things to, to see what would work. Um, you know, themes, I don't think it's any secret, but themes are kind of 
you know, five or six years ago, that was the hot thing. Right now, like it's plugins and themes, sales of themes are not what they were unless you're maybe like the top five on theme forest. Um, but, but a lot of what they did was uh, just simple things uh, in their testing, like choosing better uh, main photos for their theme, working with a professional copywriter. That's one of the things that, you know, stood out to me. Um, and with Zara Flight, they, they use that as, as kind of a uh, leading product. They would promote that uh, to, to get other people to... Uh, pick up their themes. One of the, one of the things that was really interesting is they were doing a lot of work initially on promoting instead of putting that into the product. And a lot of people were just picking up the free themes that weren't very good. When they started concentrating more on just putting out a better product, they their sales started to increase. That was one of the things that really stood out. And I think there's a line like toward the bottom of the page where it says, uh, the price doesn't exist like by itself, like in this vacuum. If the value that your product or service is creating, if the value that, that it's giving to the customer is more than the, the price, then they're going to buy it no matter how inexpensive or expensive it is. So th there's a lot of good lessons here in this article. Yeah, I think you, you did an uh, excellent job there, um, John, and there were some of the insights I got from it. What did you think of it, Randall? Yeah, uh, the article itself, that's what I want to focus on. So anytime somebody's um, hustling, making, making moves, building something profitable, I think it's an important time to take notice. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know a, um, a ton about him, um, but I do know what I what I read, right? And uh, a lot of the advice um, in there is sound, some of the lessons learned, um, it, you know, investing in, um, one of the things that stuck out to me is investing in um, uh, advertising versus people, right? That, that investing in people is risky. Inve investing in, in advertising is, um, is, is a lot easier. And uh, that, that rang true to me because I, I think, people are the um, most important component of, of building something, um, whether it's evangelizing it, whether it's um, coming up with ideas, whether it's hustling to uh, get promotion where you don't have to spend any money. So uh, if, if you haven't seen the article, uh, do you, did you short link that? Or, um, so it's over, uh, it's over on Indie Hackers, though. Yeah, so, it's on the um, Indie Hackers. Yeah, uh, just good article. Uh, if you're if you yourself are building something, I think it's a good place to to get some advice. Yeah, that's what I liked about it because I, yeah, a lot of what you were saying, I didn't totally agree with it, but it had a, a sense of truth about it as well, which sometimes is missing in some of these articles. Yeah, on my perspective, I might be wrong there, folks, but that's my feedback. What did you think of it, Kim? Um really a lot of the same as the other guys. Adam, I loved what you pointed out because I like the case study layout of articles as, as businesses grow. But looking at what people have coming in has no indicator of how profitable they are. And it's so easy to be spending more on the other side than you're taking in. So I would say that was the one place that was missing. I loved the takeaways though, John, that you pointed out. I, 
I liked how where he would point out like where they decided to pull in this plug in and focus on it and what it did for them. Um, and I just thought I did think it was kind of funny though. I thought he kind of glossed over the Xerif light issue because that was a big story and there was a lot going on with that and there was a lot of communication to them. It wasn't like we like WordPress just pulled them from the repository without warning. There was a lot that went on behind that. And he glossed over it in like one sentence. So I just found that was kind of like maybe a little more information or maybe bringing a little more perspective on how you could have communicated better as a company to come back there instead of just throwing it under the rug. Yeah, we were trying. It was a blessing in disguise, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. what it forced them to do was look at where they were spending money. And whenever you're spending money on advertising, you're probably wasting about 50 to 60% of it because it's hard to track any kind of return. So I wonder if that was like a wake up call to say, wow, I got to watch in, uh, how we're spending the money. And now they maybe that made them actually make money, uh, yeah. like turn a profit, uh, even though the revenues were down. Um, but then it, also when you look at like the, the, what's really neat about the article, you see the chart, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the revenue chart. And, and so um, when you read the article in September, it said, you know, they were making X amount of dollars per month. They weren't really making that consistently per month. They were just, it was like this and then immediately like this, like a mountain. They probably only made those really huge numbers that one month or two months. And then it just came back to how it was three months ago. But it's kind of artificial short-term growth, right? Anyone can take $50,000 and if you're just even a novice, throw it at your product and make an extra $50,000. But did you make any money? You didn't. You just got more revenues, which create more tax burden. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. Great points. What did you think of the article, Jackie? Actually, there was just, we covered almost all of it, but there was one thing in there that I thought was interesting is they, he says that uh, they removed a single line of CSS on our sales page to remove the lowest pricing plan. And that resulted in an additional $30,000 in revenue over time. And that's just a reminder that um, to go back and experiment, look at things and try some like A-B testing and uh, don't be afraid to go and tweak things because a simple change like that, which you would normally probably just leave that pricing plan on there, um, and even if people weren't choosing it, uh, but it seems to have affected their buying decisions. So I think that that's something to be mindful of. Yeah, great point, Jackie. Um, well, just to wrap it up, folks, um, I just thought it was a really detailed article that had meat in it, as I would say, and it's a pretty good read. And um, one of the things I got back when the great things is I still think um, it's a very dynamic and um, area WordPress. Um, one of our panelists, Brian Jackson, with his brother, are, um, got a new plugin, which they're um, just about to go public with or it is so i think folks it's going to be a lot of hard work though and success is not guaranteed at all but i think there's still possibilities for smaller shops and individuals to get great success in wordpress which is great for the wordpress community in general i feel we're going to go for our break folks and when we come back we're going to be talking about our main topic which is going to be wordpress membership plugins what criterias and um, what are some of the favorites from the panel that's got a lot of experience in this group i feel around that particular subject so we're going to be back in a minute and we're going to have a good discussion about that 
Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back, folks, from our break, and we're going to delve into um, membership plugins. And I'm going to start with Adam because he was dying to have uh, uh, some of his experiences here. Um, in our little chat room, folks, I put some criteria, which I, I um, got off um, Chris Lemmer's um, very large um, 2016 uh, review. Um, I don't totally agree with the main criteria. So I'll just start off with Adam. Um, what I've been, can you just give a general um, quick um, synopsis of what your experiences on membership plugins have been and what are some of the key features you feel people have got to understand before they choose one, Adam? Sure. Um, well, I was actually thinking about this and a lot of things we see today in WordPress, you know, we're in 2017. A lot of them actually were birthed out of the internet marketing space and uh, membership plugins. That was the birth from the internet marketing space five years ago. And so what you had five years ago was a lot of membership plugins being built. And a lot of them are actually still around today and they're complete garbage <laughs> because what happens is it starts there and then you get real quality, uh, reputable developers seeing, hey, this is actually something that people actually need. It's not just for a, an internet marketer now. Now it's for a business coach. Now it's for a school. Now it's for all these different scenarios of where a membership is very beneficial and, and makes sense. But it really all started in the internet marketing days. And actually, if I, I did follow Chris Lemma's series when he was doing it. And he covered like this whole spectrum. It's like a 30 day thing. And he did one per day because there's so many of them that are so outdated, such garbage, <laughs> so poorly thought out. Um, but they were hot five years ago. And it's just that quality developers have, have caught up to it. Um, basically, if you want to save yourself a lot of time when it comes to membership plugins, I even recently did a review, a, an updated review of MemberPress, which is by Blair Williams. Uh, and if you want to save yourself some time, you want to go with really three options. <laughs> Number one, it's going to be member press. Number two, it's going to be what Pippin has with Restrict Content Pro. That wouldn't have been the case actually two years ago. He took some fresh set of eyes and said, hey, I need to push this thing. Two years ago, it wouldn't have been that. But today, it's Restrict Content and if you're already using WooCommerce, you should just use the WooCommerce uh, membership uh, add-on. It's kind of pricey, though, but if you're already using WooCommerce, you should really go that route uh, because these guys, they've already thought through everything. Like that was my, the, the summary of my 30-minute review video of MemberPress is uh, Blair and his team have thought through everything, and they've built it already, so you don't have to – what it, what happens is when you say I want a membership, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you need 
in six months or in a year. But you've got these guys like Blair and Pippin that have already thought through a lot of that stuff and they've already implemented most of these ideas. Um, There's so many you want to stay away from. You do not want to go free when it comes to membership plugins I do not care you do not want to do that you're asking for trouble you know you, you definitely want to go with one of these uh, uh, paid options and uh, the main things you're you want these days is you want a, a flexible payment options meaning the processors you can use and also how you can sell your membership whether it be reoccurring and having trials and stuff like that you definitely want that number two you want it to be very easy to set up and number three you, you want to be able to have integrations with email marketing providers. So you, you're, you got to go with one of the ones that have a lot of those integrations so that when someone signs up, you can pass the info into your autoresponder service. And, uh, but really, those are really the two you should look at. There's so many you shouldn't look at. Digital Access Pass, that was one of the internet marketing ones. You do not want that. S2 member, you do not want that. Optimized Press Optimized member, you do not want that. Um, uh, not to be like harsh and say, don't do this or do this. But my point is, you want to make the right decision up front. You're going to make money from this. Spend a little bit of money. Yeah, I think that, I think I do agree with that. Um, let's go to Kim. What do you think, Kim? And what would um, what are some of your favourites and some of the things you think people got to know? Adam and I are very, very in line here, and I have a detailed like planning guide I make people go through, even though they don't know what they're going to know and need in two years. I can usually tell from the guide where we need to point them. I agree. I've just come back to Pippins. Um, I originally taught two membership plugins, Paid Membership Pro and Member Press, and I'll tell you the two different reasons why. I agree, don't go free for most things, but there's still a few times. And Restrict Content Pro at the time was not doing it. I've just come back to it, and I think Pippin has really, like you said, rethought it and added a lot of things. I would say for 90% of my clients, I still put them in Member Press because it has got the most, absolutely, hands down, the most options. It's got every single evaluation criteria you put, Jonathan, multiple concurrent memberships, group memberships, prorated upgrades and downgrades, content dripping. And the most specific and precise options for restricting content. The rules engine in that bad boy is big. Having said that, it's easy to use, but it is a learning curve for some of my less technical yeah. people. So I do still have people because 90% of my clients are people who are business coaches, health coaches, et cetera, and they're wanting to build online courses, learning platforms, et cetera. So 90% of the time it's member press. I still do though, if someone wants something super easy to spin up and they're just going to have their 20 people that they do group coaching with and let them in here. They're not going to be selling things and upgrading, et cetera. I do still support paid memberships pro because they can just have it up and running so quickly. But hands down, I say member press is the top one for all the criteria. And yet at the same time, because of the way all of them handle WordPress, there is, there are still issues we run into. And I'm actually like, those guys are getting like 10 emails a day from me right now because of a big, um, install, a big launch we've just done. And a, a couple of its bugs we found, but some of it is just things like, if somebody ditches out 
of a shopping cart without putting their um, credit card in and they just ditch. It, it still creates a user in WordPress for them yeah. and just leaves them hanging out there as pending. And it would be so elegant if we could have that either not happen, you know, like have them actually created at the point that they press the pay button, not the first I'm interested button, or even a way to just remove all of those pending quickly. Because we had a situation where we did a big webinar, we did a big launch, they gave a free coupon, and like over 100 people just ditched before putting in their credit card. And now I have to manually go clean that up. So while I do love it, I still think that there are some places we could go a little more elegant and a little more business and not be so tied into just the WordPress paradigm of what a user and a member is. I think that's fantastic, Kim. Mendel, I don't know if you've got much experience with membership plugins and that. Got any um, thoughts about this? I do. I always have thought. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, a couple things. If you haven't checked it out, we've mentioned Chris Lemma. Um, Syed also has some things on WP Beginner uh, around membership uh, plugins. Um, I'm I'm going to take a um, a starter perspective. So um, so Kim is talking about the client that comes to her and says. Hey, I really, I really need um, like my site to be a membership site. I want to add this functionality, or I want to build this out, or I want to. I have this new thing, and I it, like it's funded, whatever, right? Um, I actually don't think you should always go to a membership plugin. Um, and what, so, what I mean by that is, if you have this great idea, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm gonna go. Um, create a membership site. Sometimes it might be better to try out um, something like Optin Monster um, to restrict uh, some content um, and see if people are interested in that content um, as as a one-off, right? Um, to to kind of test the idea of membership um, because it could be that you're creating a, a canon of 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 content that nobody cares about, right? And so um, before you go through all the work to set up the rules engines and to figure out um, what's, what's gonna be restricted and what's not and what your payment processes are gonna be in all that time, because time is money, um, I think going through that simple testing process um, works. So I, I've been doing this, I put my money where my mouth is, right? Um, I've been doing it with my, uh, my, my personal um, site hiking with geeks and um, if like if you go to it there's certain content um, they're trail guides right there's certain content that's restricted what I'm doing is testing to see if people care about that content if they care about it, I'm like okay then maybe they would pay a membership fee of $4.99 a month to gain access to the special tips right so I'm only restricting special tips within the content um, so it gives me a really good indication of whether or not what I'm offering is a value. Um, there are other ways to test it too, but um, anyway, Op OptiMonster is one of those things that helps to restrict the content. There are other plugins out there that do it as well. Um, OptiMonster is by far the, the um, most most popular. But anyway, that that's my perspective. So, Mendo, you not. mean 
You mean just, and, and I, I get it. If, if it's not your business model, you don't necessarily need a, a full membership site. So you mean just using an opt-in to hide what you want to see what people are doing. Yeah, but I'm, I'm suggesting that where, where I want to take things or where some people want to take things is to a full-fledged membership site. But mm-hmm. to dial in what you're going to offer before you restrict everything. Right. right? And I, then, I, I, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And for some people, it is just restricting. Um, I, ha- I worked with a client last year and we actually used Ninja Forms. They just wanted to restrict like two to three pages for um, sales leads, gathering sales leads. There were white papers they were going to give away. It was a technology company. Yeah, and totally. we just used Ninja Forms and did a redirect. You filled it out. They redirected you to that page. And or it was EDD, a, right? It was a like, hit, yeah, easy digital downloads uh, too. Optimonster yeah. Monster has, has hurt the performance on some of my sites. So I've pulled mm. back on that one. But, uh, but yes, I agree with you. If you're not looking necessarily for full-fledged or you don't know if you have that yet, then I, I agree. Test it out. Don't just jump into it. If, however, you're someone who is, your business model is, I'm a business coach or somebody like that, I'm doing group coaching. Oh, totally. Yeah. We and know if you, that we want that private area. And, and if you have a market already, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you have customers already, yeah. you're like, uh, they've expressed interest in, in purchasing X content, then do it. Go straight for it, right? But if you don't know, if you're testing something new, I recommend... Um, you know, take action, but, um, but don't go all out. You know, it can be expensive uh, when, you, um, when you add a lot of stuff on there, development work and stuff like that. So. I think that's a fantastic um, area that you've opened in the discussion, really, Mendel, because it's something that people don't really think about. They tend to get sucked into the technology for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and the money, uh, right? Everybody uh, wants a membership plug-in. Well, it's the time. It is going to take time, a lot of time. Jack, I think Jackie's got a question, question. haven't you, Jackie? I do. Um, let's just take a hypothetical example for somebody maybe starting off. If you are interested in selling some courses, but you're also thinking at some point you might want to have a membership site where there's a premium access and you have content uh, to deliver for that. What's your criteria in evaluating what components you're going to need to put something like that together? Because typically you may want to start with just selling some courses in the beginning, right? Because you might not have enough content where you're going to attract people that want to join a membership, right? So you start off with that, but you want to kind of plan it out so that your architecture doesn't have to be completely redone later if you wanted to add a membership site. So I'm just curious for, like Kim probably knows the answer to this, which is why I'm asking it. Well, That's what I um, spoke out at WordCamp last yeah, year twice. Before Kim, um, yeah. I'd like to see if John's got any thoughts about Jackie's question. Can you say it one more time? I'm sorry. Go ahead, one more time. Um, Okay, so I was saying if you were planning on selling some courses to start with and you eventually want to have a membership component to it where people can subscribe to that as well and you've got premium content that you're delivering, how do you go about approaching choosing the architecture for that? Because you're going to start off very simple. You might want to have a shopping cart and some courses, but at some point you're going to want to restrict content and offer maybe something else like a membership content. So, and what's the difference between a learning management system and a restricted content system? And are they the same? And how would you like tackle that whole thing? Well, well, Kim could definitely like um, 
she would have like insight as as like learning management systems for sure that that's her wheelhouse um i know from my uh experiences because i've i've had you know i have a couple clients they have basically memberships and what i have found is sometimes like what you start with is is not what you finish with and what get one point won't always take you uh to the next level um for example, I've got one uh, client, I started her on Restrict Content Pro because that kind of served the needs for that point. She is selling like one course at the time. Um, just a few months ago, I switched her to iThemes Exchange because uh, the complexity of, of what she was selling, she was offering like more courses and um, that was a better fit. Um, so definitely there's, there's, you need to evaluate, I, I guess, like where you're at and where you want to go when choosing stuff, but realize that, that you might need to like rework stuff at some point. Um, you know, th th there's definitely things that you can use like Sensei, uh, iThemes Exchange. Uh, you could, you know, even something like Restrict Content Pro uh, to, to start out with. But, you know, it helps to like know like where you're going. Um, and with, with membership plugins, there's, there's a lot of features. And I would give advice to like people who are building out stuff. If it's your first time like building out, what, no matter what it is, whether it's, it's a membership site or something else, e-commerce or whatever, give yourself enough budget to try different things because the first plugin that you grab might not be the one that is the best fit for that client. So if it's your first time like doing something, have an adequate budget so you can experiment. Or otherwise, you're going to be really stuck. Uh, I think Absolutely. A, I think that's a great point. Actually, John, you, um, um, that's been my experience with clients as well is they, um, you know, it might be best to go with a simple solution to start with and then learn about your, uh, your audience and where you're taking the product. And um, what do you think about that, Kim? Well, first of all, when you mentioned Sensei, I'm going to kind of go back to something Adam said earlier. If you're a WooCommerce shop, go Sensei. Absolutely. If you're a WooCommerce shop and you want to add online courses and you want to add membership, go with Sensei and, and the other. If you just want to throw, if you want to just put together some online courses, Having to implement WooCommerce to do that is ridiculous. It's overkill. So I would never start there with somebody. However, if you want to start with an online course or two and you know in the future you want to have membership, I would go ahead right now and build out a learning platform that is a combination of a membership plugin, most likely MemberPress, and a learning management system. Learning management system, here's the difference. Learning management system is something that just delivers really the automated courses. Now, Lifter LMS does have a membership piece to that. And it, it is tied just for their LMS. So having the fuller option of MemberPress is going to give you a lot more options. The reason I would do that with my clients is we can as easily configure MemberPress and LearnDash or MemberPress and WP Courseware, any of those that work together, in the same time frame as we can do one and add it on later. And if I sell my courses, for example, I create a membership and my course, my course resides in that membership, that's the way I sell it. 
I have more options to deliver better information to my students because a really good course has more than just automated step-by-step -step lessons. It has extra resources. It has extra protected content. It might have a bulletin board, you know, a BB press. It's so easy to implement that within that member press or other membership membership piece, tie it all together, and you're going to come out without having to come back later and re-architect. It would save you in the long run, money and time, actually. Yeah, what I'm getting from this um, panel is, you know, like a lot of things with WordPress, we're dealing with a very diverse field of um, clientele and people's needs. And maybe um, another thing I would say, folks, that will save you maybe a lot of money and a lot of aggravation is to approach a developer, somebody like John, somebody like Jackie, and of course, um, learn on um, Kim's website and join one of her courses. And it'll probably save you uh, a lot of time and frustration uh, about starting the right route because um, there, there is a lot of um, balls here, you know, um, a lot of factors that you've got to understand and um, another thing I would say um, um, John recently interviewed our last episode Mike Morrison of the membership guys and um, I think it's a fantastic interview that John did with Mike and he's got a lot of experience also about some of the key features that you really need to know when you're looking at a membership site and um you know about around some of the things that uh, mendel mentioned another area that was linked to what mendel said is you've got to have an audience folks you've got to have some marketing plan you've got to have some idea how you're going to get an audience or if you haven't got one established and um that's going to be a major factor about if you're going to get any success. Would you agree with that, Kim? Or do you think I'm waffling? Oh, no, you've got to have the audience. And, you know, however you're, if you're building them now or you've already got it, but it's, it's, you're not going to put up a membership site and just sell without your audience. Doesn't happen. And I loved what Mendel said. I loved what you said, Mendel, is, you know, doing some pre-testing. Just because I, I actually think even if you've got a, um, a reasonably high traffic um, website and you've got a lot of content, it, it's really difficult, it, you know, if it's mostly free, it, getting their wallet out, even if it can just be $1, um, is a big change, isn't it, Mendel? What, would, what do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, that's the hardest part, right? And you don't want to alienate your existing audience by giving them something they don't care about. Um, I, I test everything. So, you know, whether it's Facebook ads, uh, throwing a $5 test out there, which seems absurd. Um, but just to understand, um, uh, you know, a, a key demographic or a response rate or, or something like that. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think, I think that's important. Um, it, it's, it's just the same as, you know, you, you create multiple landing pages for conversion or you create different, um, checkout flows and things like that. You should, you should also, um, uh, test what, what content is going to be valuable. So, um, yeah, I, I think testing that is, that is what I believe in people testing, 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 one, two, <laughs> three, four, testing. 
Um, folks, uh, Adam had to leave us quickly because he, he actually joined us on his holiday, which um, um, we're very blessed there. But he's a passionate about membership sites. So I think we round this up with just one final question, folks. Um, if there's one tip, one little bit of advice you could give to the audience about the general subject, what would that, what would that be? And I'll start with Kim. Anything comes straight in your mind? Absolutely. If you're going to build a good membership site, uh, you know, I, even with 50 people or more, I highly recommend putting it on a subdomain, not in the same site that is your main marketing site. It's, and why, why would you well, that? It's a lot easier to manage that, you know, if you're having an issue with an upgrade, et cetera, everybody who is logging into your site is over there. They're not in your main site where you have a security issue and this has happened before. Now people have access to things they shouldn't have had access to because they're in your site. And it allows you to actually more logically organize the content. It's, it's different. It's not like I'm just going to hide a page or two. If you're just going to hide a page or two, I, I love Mendel's idea of just putting it behind an opt-in. This is, should be laid out logically as that private area for that specific audience. In a lot of ways, there are different audiences. There may be crossover, but in a lot of ways, there's different audiences. So from a management perspective of your own, a logic perspective, and possible security, I highly recommend to my clients to put it on a subdomain. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. What about you, Mendel? Any last tips or thoughts about our conversation? What do you, what do you think I'm going to say? Test. 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 It. Test. Uh, and Kim, Kim and Jackie, uh, talk to them. Um, and, and, uh, and John too, um, great advice. Um, talk to experts and test, um, even better test some stuff before you go to the experts and then, uh, and then they'll even be able to help you better. Maybe you'll pay them a little less money, uh, cause it'll take a little less time, uh, for you to get to the right answers. So that's great. And what about you, John? Any faults, tip? tips, things that you think somebody should know that could avoid some aggro straight off? <laughs> yeah, before I give my tip, I want to say uh, Adam Silver just uh, said, hey, I'm about to revamp uh, Kitchen Sink WP, adding membership and forum. So uh, timely advice. So there you go. Big shout out, Adam. Thanks, Adam. But um, uh, I would say this. Uh, do your research. Don't just grab the first membership plugin that looks good uh, because every single site, every single client, every single audience is completely different. So uh, do your research up front and don't try and shove that square peg in a round hole. So that, that's my advice. And I'm going to finish Jackie and Jackie um, wants to do some membership sites, but you, you haven't done one for a while, have you, Jackie? But was, was the conversation useful and do you think it's giving you some insights? I do. I think that um, Kim and, and John both answered my question about deciding on an architecture, you know, how you want to, what it is you're, what it is you're going to be doing, what do you plan on doing, and knowing that first before you jump in and choose a plugin to start with so that you don't want to. I mean, even just choosing the right learning management system plugin to start with can make a big difference as far as uh, what direction you want to go and what you can add, whether you're going to be using WooCommerce, whether you're going to be using something else for your checkout process. So I think that is all very helpful advice. And if you haven't done anything yet, 
then uh, you've got some questions to ask yourself before you get started. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I would just finish off, folks, um, is that um, my own thoughts about this is um, plan what you what you are going to sell because if it's going to be a dig, just solely a digital product, you know, Pippins, Williams um, um, products um, probably going to offer um, some great benefit. <clears throat> but then I've had clients halfway through saying, well, we decided we're going to sell T-shirts or we're going to sell mugs. Um, well, then you can't really so easily use Pippin Williams. And then, you know, uh, uh, um, but if it's only going to be like three or four products, going to WooCommerce seems a bit crazy. So look at um, look at iThemes product um, exchange that um, John has mentioned, because that gives you the flexibility um, and it comes from a great coding shop as well. So doing a bit of pre-planning really helps folks. Um, and a bit like what um, Mendel and some of the other panelists have mentioned, you know, um, where the plugin you start off with probably won't be the membership plugin that you end with because the, you know, you learn more about your audience and you learn more about the people that pay for the membership and the functionality that they ask for. And you probably, like a lot of things, you will outgrow your original plugin if you're, if you're doing your marketing and you're getting um, the kind of um, response that you hope for. So that's me waffling a little bit. If you need any advice, go to the WP Tonic website. We support membership websites and we can give you some advice as well. And I'm going to wrap up by asking my great panel to um, give us how they could be contacted. And we're going to start with Kim. How can people get hold of you, Kim? You can find me on Twitter at Kim Schivler or you can find me at howtobuildanonlinecourse.com. I do have a free membership planning guide. Reach out to me if you would like it. And um, along with my training, I also do coaching and consulting to help people find a plugin that will work for them if you're looking to do that. Oh, that's great. Jackie, how can people get a hold of you? Your moots, Jackie. You're, you're on mute. There you go. Back. I'm now you're back. back. I'm back. You can find me at uh, on Twitter at, at jdelia.com, at my website, jackiedelia.com, or you can hit me up over at rethink.fm. Which is a great, another great podcast, folks, and um, I regularly listen to it, and you should as well. Uh, Mendel, um, how can people get hold of you? <laughs> Good question. Uh, good question. So uh, you can go on, on Twitter to at if you will it um it's at if you will it and of course um i have free tools that help you manage your sites and clients at godaddy.com slash pro the big daddy uh, um, so um john how can people get hold of you my beloved co-host oh before i give uh the details i just want to give a extra shout out to jackie recent episode she did with our fellow uh, panelist, uh, Morton Rand Hendrickson. Go check that episode out. It is a killer episode. So uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me at my website, which is LockdownDesign.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, Lockdown underscore. I'm always stirring stuff up. How do we get a hold of you, Jonathan? It's quite easy, folks. I'm on the, um, I'm on the Twitter, at Jonathan Denwood. Um, 
sporadically recently but i am on there i'm also trying to do more on facebook showing my face a bit more on the beloved facebook and you can always email me i do reply when it's a question or somebody needs some help i will try and help you out and that's at jonathan at wp tonic.com and we love you to give us a review on um, iTunes or um, if you go to the website and look at any of the show notes there's a big button at the bottom um, and you click that iTunes button and it'll take you somewhere where you can leave a review on iTunes and it really does help the show and um, in general me and John would love more feedback from people and get more involvement um, from the <laughs> listeners um, that would really help as well so um, we're going to finish the show I think it's been a great show I think we've offered a lot of insight and we'll see you next week remember you can join us on Facebook live at 9am Pacific Standard Time and be part of the discussion we'll see you next time folks bye bye Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.